The previous year I discussed the role of the mouth, of the peh, in Talmutara. Talmutara, we think, is a primarily cognitive and cerebral experience involving the organs of the human body which process information, namely the ears and the eyes, and then the brain, which um, which dis- discovers and analyzes in a cognitive sense, a Kurdish Baruch's word. And there's so many psukim in Mamari Chazal extolling the role of a person's mouth in the experience of Talmatara. So the truth is, there are similarly many psukim which describe the role of a person's heart in Talmatara. The Ficha Ubilvavcha Masoso, the same Pasek Moshe Rabbeinu, assures Am Yisrael that Torah is not far, Torah isn't distant, it isn't in the heavens, but it's Karavelacha, Dabra Miyar, and Parshas Nisavim. The Ficha Ubilvavcha Masoso. And as we'll see, many, many Sukkim in Tanakh, which highlight the role of heart in the study of Talmudah. What, what exactly is Torah's Halev? What aspects or insights of Talmud Torah and the experience of Talmud Torah are captured by associating Talmud Torah with the person's heart? So there probably are three aspects or three components that are uniquely conveyed through the sense of Torah Salev, the Ficha Obilvavcha Lasasa. The first one, probably the, the most obvious one, is the personal joy or personal passion, which a person feels, and is meant to feel in Torah study. Um, very famous Gemara Navodah based on the Pasuk in the beginning of Tehillim, Paragalah. Kim b'Torah Hashem chetzo, a person should covet Hashem's Torah, should desire Hashem's Torah, which in the literal sense means a person should covet the religious experience rather than the ways of the wicked people, Hashem l'holach batzas rishoyim, etc. But Chazal Darshan, Torah Hashem Chetza, as follows, A person has to study Torah based on personal interest, the part of Torah that he covets, that he desires, in fact, the Gemara tells a very interesting story about Levi and Shimon. Shimon was Rebbe's son. The Levi and Shimon were sitting in front of Rebbe, and they ended a certain sefer they were learning, so they had to make a decision what to continue learning. So Levi said, let's learn Mishle. Levi is well known for his um, talent in Agadita. Levi is a very, obviously appears in Shas in Halacha context, but much more dominant in the realm of Agadita. So he wanted to learn Mishle. Shimon wanted to learn Tehillim. Interesting. They were debating what part of Xirvim to study. So Rebbe ruled um, basically like his son of Shimon, and he forced, as it were, Levi to study Tehillim. And they started studying Tehillim. And they read the first Pasuk of the first Barak of Tehillim. So he explained Rebbe that this Pasuk, Bitaras Hashem Chetza, demands that a person study based on personal interest, personal passion. So Levi said, well, Rebbe, now gave your interest to walk away and to pursue my own field of study. You forced me a few moments ago to study Tehillim, now that you've studied Tehillim, in fact, you've displayed how important personal investment is in the study of Torah. 
namely that a person's Torah should be filled with passion, and passion can only be assured there's a personalization of Torah. A person is studying the aspect of Torah that he wants, that he desires, that he enjoys. The joy in Torah is not just important or evident in choosing a curriculum, but also in very famous Gemara, very famous Halacha, the few weeks will be Tishabah, one of the Halachas of an Avl, is an Avl can study Torah. The Torah is meant to provide joy. Bekhudi Hashem Yisharim, Misam Chelev, Mitzvah Hashem Barah, Miras Enayim. Chazakim Tehillim, we recite every Shabbos in Perak Yotas, in Shabbos Davening. Chazal recognized that Torah study causes joy, and therefore banned it for Nabil, and similarly banned it on Tisha. So, that's another instance, or manifestation of the joy which Torah study causes, the Torah Saleh, the Samche Leiv. Or as Chazal speaking of Avazar again, Daf Yotes, Elamimachom Shalibo Chafetz. The word is a Torah that is fueled by personal interest and personal um, passion. Now this is interesting. Because on the one hand, of course, Chazal says it has to be taken as truth. But to a degree, it only represents part of the truth. Because the other part of the truth is the person doesn't have the right to be so um, authorial about what parts of Torah to study. Of course, he isn't studying his own work. Of course, he's studying Akash Baruch Hu's Torah. As I mentioned earlier, Shira, the Rav claimed that the Baruch HaSatar is a Baruch HaSamatya. The bracha we recite before Torah study is like a bracha on an apple. It's like you're making it, taking an apple which isn't yours. And in order to requisition it, as it were, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have to recite a bracha. Similarly with Torah, the text isn't your text, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's text, it's Torah Hashem. And you have to gain license before studying by reciting a bracha. But aside from the subject matter being the proprietary, being the property of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's also that our study can just be seen as a almost capricious, stimulating, self-absorbed opportunity, and too much of a Torah Saleh, too much of a passion-driven Torah, can erode some of the dutiful, religious, compulsive aspect of Torah, that you have to study Torah because uh, because of the Kodesh Baruch Hu's will and because of the mitzvah. And certainly there are ample statements in Chazal, different angles, and all of which convey the sense of dutiful, or almost routine, Torah study. So, for example, a very famous pasuk in Parshas Vayechi, where Yaakov delivers brachos to the various Shvatim, and Yisachar delivers the bracha of a heavy, stale donkey. And of course, Yisachar was one of the Shvatim who excelled in Torah study. So, Chazal see this donkey not just as suggestive of Yisachar's physical acumen, but in their commitment to Torah. Chazal speak about Liyal and Yasim Adam Atzma Al Divrei Torah. Again, the Gemara of Orizar he should convert himself when it comes to Torah to study. He should convert himself He should be like a ox that carries the yoke of the plow and like a donkey that carries heavy weights from location to location. The difference between an ox and a donkey but for purposes of this year they share a common image of this person working and laboring. You can't imagine the Ox and the donkey particularly enjoys their uh, plowing or they're carrying uh, loads from 
one location to another. So that would not seem to be a Torah driven by um, personal predilection, but rather a Torah driven by the duty of an ox, the duty of a donkey. Wonderful, wonderful medrash. The text is from a different angle, one which is even more subjectively relevant to the shear and then Torah and the various body parts of the human being. Medrash, it's quoted in several locations. I'm reading it from the beginning of the Chukosai. It surrounds a Pasuk in Tehillim Kufiyotes. The Pasuk reads as follows. Chishafti Drachai. I've evaluated my root. Yashiva Raglai Eleidosecha. But I've returned my feet to your your testimony, which very often is a metaphor or a catchphrase for Torah. Strange possible. I uh, considered my root, chishafti drachai, and my legs, or I returned my legs to your Torah. So we will see this possible as a proclamation of David Amelech, a proclamation which, on the one hand, talks about David's original interest, but his ultimate decision. Amr David, Rabbanu Shalom. This is the language of the Medrash. Bechal yom v'yom, every day, I see mechashev v'omer. I would, I would evaluate, I would consider, I would determine. L'makom ploni, v'lebeis dira ploni z'anihalecha. Not errands to run, not the places to be, people to meet. Makom ploni, beis dira ploni. Namely, I set my feet, I set, I set my sight, I set my root. All sorts of locations, and presumably important ones. Yet, despite those intentions, despite those uh, considerations, my feet led me to the base of Knesset. My feet led me to the base of Medrash. Namely, despite my interests, the interest that I was mechashev, that I thought about, chishati derachai, my legs took over and dragged me to shul, dragged me to the base of the Medish. Typically in, in halacha, in chazal world, but also in the Hebrew language, the word regal doesn't just mean feet, because feet and walking ambulatory motion is the most, um, so to speak, natural human activity it requires at least cognition, it's the most neurologically natural. So anything which is natural or routine or standard is described as regel or hergel, something which is natural, the normal, normal day-to-day regimen. The four types of nezek in the beginning of Avakama, shore and bore, and one of the options of shore is regal. Regal is any damage an animal performs, not just with its feet, although that's a classic sense of regal, but any damage an animal performs a normal, routine walk through life uh, with, uh, with its uh, tail, with its body as it's just passing by a wall without veering or deviating from its natural path. If anything, this Medrash in Bechokosite describes a Torah which is the antithesis of Karasalei. The Torah of the routine, not because a person enjoys or is excited. In fact, it seems as if David was excited about other things. Maybe other religious pursuits, maybe other important pursuits, but somehow that duty, that routine, dragged him back to the base medish. And in fact, in a normative sense, many people um, study Torah in a manner similar to the tone described by David Amelach. 
what we would call Taras HaRegel, not Taras HaLeit. They have a routine, whether it's the routine of Adap Yomi, the routine of Kivias Itim, of a Seder, of a Shir. And if you stop them and say, is this particularly exciting for you right now? Well, say, no, but it's my routine, it's my duty, it's my responsibility. I, as we would say in the modern context, I have to put it in my time, I have to be Kovayitim. And it's that balance between the two, between the excitement and the joy, the happiness of the Sam and the Vyashiva Raglayalegosecha of David Amalch. Remember David Amalch speaks both and Sam Khalev is in your test and Ashiva Raglayalegosecha is in Kufyutas. And I think these two antithesis or these two opposites form a greater synthesis, a greater whole of Thursday. So, for example, a well-known medrash based on the Pasuk in Shir Hashir, and that Akash Baruch Hu brought us to the house of wine, Vidiglo Allah Ahavan, he placed his flag of love above us, and of course, what does it mean, the flag of love? And the simple interpretation is the flag of, say, Ramidbar, the flag signifying that we're God's people, but Chazal Darshan, the medrash in Bamidbar, Rabbi Sachar Allah, Vidiglo Allah Ahavan, Kodesh Baruch Hu loves us so deeply that even if someone learns Torah, quote-unquote, in a less-than-ideal manner, still a Kodesh Baruch Hu loves him and loves his Torah. Even if a person studies Torah, he skips from one halacha to another halacha, from one pasuk to another pasuk. Amra Kodesh Baruch Hu I still love that. The Diklo Alai Ava, namely not Diklo, in the language of Gegel, but Vidilugo, in the language of skipping, Vidilugo Alayahava. Kishbarach who loves us so deeply. But there's an implied statement here. That this isn't the ideal form of Torah study. The ideal form of Torah study is to read sequentially. And Hashem loves us so deeply that He's willing to overlook, so to speak, our failed or our inferior Torah study. Whereas Hashem just follow the winds and the caprice of his heart, where he'd like to study today, where he'd like to study tomorrow, and this plot is too difficult, and this next topic is more interesting or less interesting. Or shouldn't be differentiated as such. Take that and hold it up to the aforementioned Gemara Navo Desar, the person has to study where his heart covets. They're literally opposites. The answer is that they form a larger whole, and excess on either end is dangerous. Very famous defense of the Sakachavarav and Igle Tal, the Sefer which he wrote, or Misecha Shabbos, or Halachas of Shabbos. In his introduction, he writes that he's a little bit upset by this growing um, opposition to joy in Torah study. He's not supposed to feel joy, not supposed to feel simply, not supposed to enjoy your tradition. And he says, of course, uh, I'll just read one line. Adarav, Akizei, Iker, Mitzvah, Slimanatav. The fundamental Component of Tamatara, Leos Sasvasamech, should enjoy it, celebrate it. Enjoy your Tamatara. Talk about this a little bit later. Of course, he realizes himself that if it's purely for joy and self stimulation, or intellectual stimulation, then it can be dangerous. It has to have a religious component. But he doesn't feel, he doesn't speak about the religious component being based on duty and commitment, it just says that you're enjoying your learning, and of course you want to fulfill mitzvahs as well. Without question, if it's only joy and only enjoyment, then the sense of duty is lacking, the sense of regal, the sense of work that the Pasuk described, the Chazal interpreted from the Pasuk. 
This seems to be the first issue evoked by the association between Torah and life. The second issue is something, again, which the Iglital alluded to. He says, if you enjoy your learning, the Torah really seeps down into your persona. Human nature is to more deeply internalize and assimilate experiences which we enjoy, or by contrast, experiences which are terrifying, but those which excite our emotions, which agitate our emotions, which stir our emotions, are more deeply associated. And Hazal spoke about this in a very interesting medrash. Hosek in Yermia describes a ultimate messianic cabinet. Kizos habris asher achroses beis Yisrael, acharei hayamim, ahem no Hashem. I will renew this bris with Am Yisrael. Nasatia Kadishbara in Yermia writes, Tarati Laman Aleph, Nasatia's Tarasi Bikirbam. I will insert my Tara in their innards. The Libam Echtavena, and I will inscribe it on their hearts. The Libam Echtavena. Similar to some of the other images in Tanakh of writing something on your heart. Of course, in Shira Shira, we want either HaKadosh Baruch Hu to inscribe us on his heart, or we should inscribe his love on our hearts. So this is the first, at least sequential to the Tanakh text, the first employment of So the Medrash describes, this is a Medrash which appears often, at Harsinai, in the original delivery of Torah, directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then Am Yisrael was too frightened, so they asked Moshe Rabbeinu to mediate the Torah, to transfer the Torah. And that seems to be, although it was impressive, they were able to sense the fear of Harsinai, but it led to Torah being less assimilated. Like we heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah directly from him, so we never would have forgotten the Torah. Where it deeply, deeply touches. Obviously, if it's Hashem's voice, it's going to touch human beings far more uh, existentially, far more immortally than if a human being transfers the Torah. And at least in this Medrash, Amisrol laments that, and other Midrashim Akadosh Baruch laments that, Marsha laments, laments that fact. So in this Medrash, at least, Hashem responds, Amrlam Einzu Akshav. Even though you're sad that Tar hasn't settled that deeply into your heart because you didn't hear it from me directly, okay, that's only in this world, or this period of history. Avalas and Lavo, in the next period of history, in the days of Mashiach, I'll teach you the Tar directly, and I'll never forget it. Shinamar venasati es tarasi bikirbam vi'alibam echtavena. I will place Tara in your heart, and you won't forget it. Namely, the degree to which Torah can be assimilated, if it's taught to a person's heart, the heart, at least in this Pasuk in Yermia, and a similar Pasuk, of course, in Mishlei, Paragvav, Kashreim al-Libecha Tamid, tie them to your heart, again, emphasizing the heart. The next Pasuk in Mishlei, Paragvav, wherever you go, it will lead you. When you go to sleep, it will protect you. And you will arise, it will be part of your discussion, part of your dialogue. 
there's an endurance or a durability to Taras Halev of the Kashrei Maluach Nibecha, or as Yimri writes, Al-Libam Echtavena. And because I'll take this Pasuk in Mishle again to be a reference, not just to going to sleep at night or waking up, but Yisalechecha Tamcheosach, when you walk, who will lead you, but when you pass, when you pass, when you pass, Namely, Torah of the heart is Torah which resonates within all levels of a human being, not just conscience, conscious but subconscious and preconscious, and deeply, deeply invades the human psyche, and therefore is more deeply retained. After all, memory is not just a mental capacity, it's also a question of desire. We remember information that we deem important, that we see as important to remember. Unfortunately, Tara, we don't feel oh, often is that important. That's, of course, the purpose of that measure before, but the Baruch told us, Tara, we've never forgotten it, not, be, not only through some supernatural reality that the Baruch Hu's Tara would have become nestled more deeply in the human heart, but we would have seen the immortality and the divinity of the Baruch Hu's Tara, and, of course, we would have chosen to remember that information because we would see Hashem's voice or presence behind the Tara. We'd see its true divine nature, and, of course, we because Baruch Hu came to us tonight in a dream and spoke to us, uh, we never forget that dream because we see it as Hashem's direct communication to us. So the heart, or the association between Torah and the heart, Ali or Kashrema Lochibach, is meant to convey Torah which transcends or surpasses the mind, affects the human soul, the heart, the subconscious, and therefore is retained. And according at least to that inference in the Igle there's a connection between Torah and joy and Torah and retention. If you enjoy Torah more deeply, then it will percolate throughout your system and, of course, by extension, be remembered more clearly. That's the Igle tie-in between the two roles of heart. Torah of the heart, which is enjoyed more, will become Torah of the heart, which is retained greater. Even if you don't accept his association between the two, these are two perhaps different images of Torah in the heart. A, Torah that's enjoyed. B, Torah that is retained. Now the truth is, Torah, which the heart mediates, or which percolates down to a person's heart, doesn't just become Torah which is retained. The Torah which is retained, and also affects overall behavior, affects moral performance. There was a little bit of evidence in the Medrash I read earlier, Something which you're probably familiar to many people from the Siam. This appears in the very famous uh, suffix to making the Siam. But there's another medrash in Tehillim, Kufiyotest. And this is a medrash on the Pasuk in Tehillim which describes Belibi Tzafanti Emersech, again the word heart, in my heart. I have safanti, I've hidden, I have stored, the Russian safun, as in the night of Pesach, I stored your words, So here, the goal of David Amalach in studying Torah with his heart, is not just to retain the Torah, but in order to use Torah as a defense mechanism against the Yitzhahara and against Chet, And this medrash, in Tehillim Kofiyotes, En Yitzhahara Sholet Eitzel, En Yitzhahara Sholet Eitzel Torah. Person has studied Torah and has eternalized Torah, the Yitzhahara won't be affected. Umisha Torah Belibo Enyi Yitzhahara Shalikor. Torah is in a person's heart. 
not in a person's mind, but in a person's heart, the Tara can't dominate him. And the Medrash ultimately quotes our Pasuk in Tehillim Kofiyuta, the Levi Tzafanti Mersech, excuse me, I have hidden or stored your Tara in my heart, the Mano Echtelach. Pasuk was another Pasuk in Tehillim Lamed Zion. Again, a Pasuk about the heart. Karasa Lokav Belibo, Karad Hashem is in his heart. Lotim Arashurav, his steps won't falter, his steps won't stray. So these are two psukim, one in Tehillim Lamed Zion, one in Tehillim Kofiyotes, which describe Tara of the heart, the Levi Tzafanti Mersech Kofiyotes, Karas HaVokav Belibo, Lamed Zayin. And the common denominator is the ability to translate Tara into a religious impulse, into a religious experience, and not just during the moment of studying Tara, but when a person faces the Tahara, Lo Timara Shulab, that my steps don't falter, or Lamano Echtelach. I moved to this in earlier Shiorim. A great debate about whether Musa was a necessary heel to study, ideally. The anti-Muslimics suggested Torah study should be sufficient. If Torah is truly absorbed and Torah is truly you know, assimilated, then there's no need for the study of Musa. David Malach himself is studying Torah, and that is his greatest and lone defense mechanism. I mean, Musa proponents argue that may be true in an ideal world, but in our world it wasn't being sufficiently absorbed and sufficiently associated with human identity. But there's no question that everyone believed that in the ideal world, David Amalek's statements uh, ring true, are, are correct. How could a person sin after encountering a Kurdish Baruch? But again, that's only if Torah studied with the heart. If Torah, uh, even without the Igle Tal's definition of joy, but if Torah is truly absorbed, Torah becomes an emotional experience, or becomes something that you carry with you based on that Pasuk initially, even if you take the literal interpretation of that Pasuk initially, when you walk, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, it becomes the Shach Becha Bukumech. The uh, final association, and I'll just describe this very quickly, between Torah and the heart, not the final one, but the third one I want to discuss, I'm sure there are more, very interesting Rambam. The Rambam, in Hilkos Talmud Torah, describes Creative, analytical learning as the highest form of Torah. What the Rambam feels in his position is the ultimate form of Torah. And when the Rambam describes how a person becomes creative in Talmud Torah, he mentions two prerequisites. Very interesting. How to become creative. Creativity generally is very, very unregulated and um, can be graphed. Very hard to teach creativity. So. You're opening a school to teach creative writing. How would you teach people to be creative? Evidently, there was one that, I think it was, uh, Sinclair Lewis was once invited to speak to a group of creative writers at the University of Columbia. Came into the room and, uh, evidently, a large assembly of students. And he asked, as I looked out amongst you, I asked myself, how many people here actually want to be creative writers? Please raise your hand. And everyone raised their hands. He said, well, if you want to be creative writers, go home and write. And part of this point, I believe, was how can you teach creativity? You're going to sit there and map and graph creativity. Creativity by itself is pretty much evolves on the spur of the moment, the creative spark, the muse, as the ancient poets once said. How do you teach someone how to be creative in Tom Thorough? An interesting question. But the Rambam talks about two personal prerequisites. One is Yishuv Adas, for it has to be at peace with themselves. 
can always be in a state of conflict. Some people are always in a state of conflict with themselves, with others. And that that's almost a perpetual state. And activity stems from a quiet in the soul, from a personal place of solitude and thought and um, acute um, perception. And the commotion of conflict very often disrupts that internal solitude. Um, a lot of studies around the turn of the century about the role of women and the unleashing of female creativity if you obviously haven't really been a factor in much of Western development. And a very well-known book by Virginia Woolf, A Room of, a room of One's Own, um, describing the emergence of female self-perception in a female place. Women had, a, had their own room, and their own ability to have their place in society, not just as subservient to man. And that place or that grounds granted them the creative ability. And the Virginia Woolf was probably a very uh, unique role model of female creativity. But the second trait, which the Rambam lists as a prerequisite for creativity, is the trait of Rachavus Halev, Rochav Halev, Yeshla, the breath of a person's heart. What the Rambam's referring to, and maybe this is not really Taras Halev, but Rochav Halev, one way to express Rochav Halev is Taras Halev, is in order to be creative, you have to have a broad, broad view, a broad, broad field. Creativity generally is a function of analogy or, or association. You associate one thing to another, you compare, you contrast. By definition, the broader that field of knowledge and wisdom, the greater the ability to associate and create a fluid analogy, and the more creative a person will be. So the Rambam talks about rochav halev, a person's heart has to be brought. Now here, too, a, a debate could entail about how broad that field should be. Some would say, would be any form of breadth can help even creativity in Torah study, because you just understand the world whole, you understand the world full, and you're able to see the interface between HaKadosh Baruch Hu's directly revealed will and the world that also HaKadosh Baruch Hu created through Torah, the physical, cosmological world. And those who take that approach to life and are very, very broad in their experiences would see that in the Rambam, Rochav Halev. Those who are much more parochial in their intellectual activity, those who study only Torah and are interested in fusing and in synthesizing broader realities would say, well, Rochav Halev is important, but the field in which Rochav, since Torah is so broad, no purpose looking elsewhere. I mean, first they can exhaust millions of lifetimes, simply encompassing the breadth of Torah. So that's an important debate, but it's not really relevant specifically to the Rambam's statement. We can only imagine what the Rambam believed, given at least his personal history. But even those who would disagree with extending the field beyond Torah and purely ritual experiences, Rachavas is still crucial. Still to create that depth and breadth perception allows analogy and association and thereby creativity and constant. So to summarize, when you talk about the role of your heart in studying Torah, okay, 
three or possibly two or possibly three elements. One is the role of passion in Torah study, personal interest, the joy of intellectual stimulation, versus Torah duty, routine, responsibility, regulated Torah study. Number two is the Torah of the lave which seeps into a person's heart, not just into a person's mind. Ali and ultimately, if it truly seeps into a person's subconscious, then A, it'll be more durable and more retained, and B, it'll be more effective in inspiring moral behavior. And finally, the Rambam's phrase in Nofus Kamatara, Rochav Halei, talks about the heart as an expander of Torah and a heart as an enabler of creative and analytic power study.